Happy uh, 25th anniversary, Living Word family. I speak today with uh, mixed emotions. Uh, we rejoice that we have reached this age in the life of uh, TLWF and that God has graciously given us the privilege of being part of this church family. But at the same time, we are sad that we can't be with you face to face to celebrate this momentous event. Uh, we have celebrated with you your uh, 10th, 15th, and 20th, and how we wish that we would be there with you today. Nevertheless, we join you in spirit, praising God and thanking him for his goodness and faithfulness, without which uh, we will not be celebrating today. I'd like to shout a happy anniversary, pero baka marinig po kami ng ating kapitbahay. Uh, dalawa at baka tumawag ng pulis. Anyway, the theme chosen for this year is discipleship. Discipleship, actually. And uh, as uh, children of God, we ought to grow. We need to grow because it is good to grow. But uh, we will only grow through discipleship. Discipleship is a condition, situation, or environment, and it is a process wherein the follower, believer, or student of Christ learns, grows, or established in his faith in Christ so that his desire to become more and more like Christ is achieved over time. Now, John Stott wrote one, if not his farewell book entitled The Radical Disciple in 2010. In it, he summarized the Christian landscape in the world today, and he said that as far back as the 1990s, there has been a phenomenal growth of the church all over the world. The church in China alone has grown at least a hundredfold since the middle of the 20th century, even in the midst of, uh, shall we say, the communist persecution. Today, more Christian believers worship God every Sunday in China than in all the churches of the Western Europe put together. But it is sad to say that this phenomenal growth maybe is without death and Stott validates his observation through the following reasons. Number one, superficiality of discipleship everywhere, and church leaders have expressed grief over this situation. Number two, in Africa, or maybe elsewhere, although the church is growing numerically, there is a huge problem with lack of godliness and integrity, and add to that the great lack of strong biblical or theological foundation. And number three, the growth or increase in number does not go in parallel with the confirmation of the faith of the church. Now, Stutz's observation, though it is 12 years old, may still be the true state of the church and the Christians today. And so we can therefore summarize the development of the present day Christians in three terms. There is lack 
of discipleship. And because there is lack of discipleship, well, it brings us to the lack of spiritual growth. And if there is lack of spiritual growth, then definitely there is lack of spiritual maturity. And this is probably why we decided to have this year's theme for Living Word, Disciple Shift. Now quickly turn to someone beside you right now and prodding him or her, say, Disciple Shift, Disciple Shift, Disciple Shift. And friends, God in his word explicitly states that it is God's will for us to be discipled, for us to grow and to mature in Christ. In Paul's encouragement to the Ephesians, he said in Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. And we read the same in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so it is God's will for us to be discipled. Throughout our lives, we are all in need of discipleship to become mature and strong followers or disciples of our Savior, our Master, and Teacher Jesus Christ. Don't you agree? Perhaps the only person that was fully discipled was Paul, who was able to say in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. And this happens to be our theme verse, by the way. So at this time, I would like to talk about how we can attain right discipleship. And so we ought to be discipled so that we can disciple others. And as a result... All of us will grow and mature in Christ. And so I've entitled our preaching uh, this morning, Being Discipled and Discipling Others. And so we're going to look at the keys of discipleship. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you that... Uh, you will continue to help us to grow in the Lord Jesus through your spirit, through your word, and through others in the body of Christ. It is your design. It is your purpose. It is your will for us to grow. And I pray this morning, Lord, that even as we look at your word, as we look up to your spirit, as you open our hearts and our minds and our lives to what you have in store for us today, Lord, I pray that even as we celebrate our 25th year of anniversary, may we continue to be discipled so that we can disciple others. Help us to grow in Christ's likeness for the years to come. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, since discipleship is a lifelong process, 
a journey that cannot happen overnight, but through a lifetime, this process can be compared to running a race. And so I have chosen these verses in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 to 3, to show us what we need to do to go through the process of discipleship, which is a journey or even a race in itself. And as we go through this journey or race, we will find ourselves passing on the baton to the next generation so that the same discipleship process we go through will be something that we can also do to them so that they too can experience the process of being transformed into Christ's likeness. Now let's just read our verses of scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, and I'd like to read from the NIV. If you've got your Bibles, uh, follow along as we read. Uh, I hope it's uh, being projected onto the screen. Let's read all together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And based on these verses, my dear friends, how can we be effectively discipled so that we can also disciple others? Let's uh, dive in into these keys or principles as we look at the Word of God. First, or number one, we ought to settle our priorities. Now, what is our priority? Or what, is, what are our priorities? What do you think needs to be done for us to grow as disciples? Again, let's read Hebrews 12.1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. The writer of Hebrews was encouraging uh, the believers, uh, Hebrew believers, that whatever was going on, they have to first and foremost be encouraged by those that went ahead of them. Now, this is so true. We are encouraged looking at the lives of those who went ahead of us. We are encouraged by looking at the lives of the characters, the heroes of the Bible. And the important thing as we look at them, as we are encouraged uh, with their lives and with their testimony is the writer of Hebrews says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. This verse states two things that are hindrances to our discipleship. One, anything and everything that is excessive and burdensome way entangles us. They have to be thrown off. They have to be 
eradicated so that we can continue to be discipled. Now, what becomes excessive or burdensome weight? Well, any false teaching, not affirming the uniqueness and the finality of Jesus Christ, or what we term as pluralism, entangle us. These are heavyweights. Uh, this will bear us down. Uh, we often get into the argument of, uh, is Christ really both human and divine? And who was he or what was he when he was going through temptations? Was he divine or was he uh, human? And things like this, not affirming as uh, uh, the encouragement is the uniqueness and the finality of Jesus Christ. In other words, what really is important, what the Bible teaches about who Christ is, not our opinion, not, not, other, not other teachings, and especially not false teachings. Not only false teachings, pluralism will weigh us down, but we also can be hindered or weighed down by preoccupation with material things or greed or materialism. Now, this is the world that we live in. Reality is we will be attracted with the things of the world. But we are encouraged not to be greedy, not to look to the things of the world, not to be materialistic so that it will not weigh us down. This will not be additional burden for us. What is the third thing that can weigh us down or that can be excessive weight? Worldly compromise, slipping morals, or what we call as ethical relativism. Now, notice that these three things are kind of burdensome weight that is put upon us by the world system, by the world itself, by worldliness, by false teachings around us that is more than what the world or what the Bible teaches. But what does Roman 12, Romans 12, 2 say to us? What is the advice of Paul? He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that's the first hindrance. Anything and whatever becomes excessive beyond the word of God is an entanglement. The second hindrance that can equally wear us down is every sin that entangles or trips us. Bitterness, jealousy, dishonesty, fear, impurity, self-righteousness, judgmentalism, gossip, unbelief, greed, anger, resentment, laziness, pride, or self-love. And this is narcissism. Colossians 3, 7, Paul again encourages us, how do we deal with sin that entangles? He says in verse 7, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as this. 
rage, anger, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Now let's look at the verse or scripture that will cover both uh, that which is put upon us and the second that's entanglement or uh, that entangles us is from the inside. But a passage that covers both uh, worldly pressures and uh, inward uh, weakness or sin is 1 John 2, 16 and 17. In the ESV, we read, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. That's a Christian standard Bible. Verse 17, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Wow. So clear. Many times this excessive weight of materialism, pluralism, and relativism, as well as the sin of pride, jealousy, and self-love, mess up our priorities and distract us from pursuing God and the things of God. And they come in the way of our growth in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ, hindering our discipleship. Uh, allow me to just share my discipleship journey. When I was 17 years old, when I prayed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, as ordained by God, it happened on the first day of my math class at UP Los Banos when my Christian teacher shared the gospel. Now, this experience impacted my life and the priorities I have because I decided that while I was going to pursue my university education, I would also take every opportunity to know God more. And so I joined the Campus Crusade for Christ. I attended weekly Bible studies. And instead of going out of the campus on Fridays to join my friends in their weekend escapades, I decided to join the Campus Life Friday Fellowship. I decided to just be stronger in my newfound faith. And though I know fully that I was there to pursue a degree, my priority became to be discipled and to grow in my faith and my walk with Christ. And so even every summer, instead of taking up summer classes to cut short the time to finish my course, I attended a week or two uh, long of Campus Crusade for Christ's uh, Summer Institute of Leadership. There we were taught more principles from the Word of God and how we could lead others to Christ and grow new believers in their faith in Christ. And so as a result, the discipleship I received for three years during my uni days prepared me fully for my decision to get into pastoral ministry when the time came. I decided, I determined, and I settled my priorities early 
on in my Christian life, but also had to choose to give up good but worldly and less important goals and desires. And I reap the benefits of a strong foundation in my journey and calling to follow the one who saved me and called me to know him with my young life and to serve him full time at his appointed time. Now the question might be, was it worth it? Definitely. Did I give up something valuable? Yes. But it was for a treasure that was for eternity. In relation to our passage in Hebrews, Henrietta Mears, uh, the author of the Bible, uh, is all about, gives this background on the verses of Scripture that we have just read, uh, the book of Hebrews. Our passage of Scripture, she said, was written to a group of Jewish converts, possibly new believers, who were wavering in their faith because of taunts and jeers of their persecutors. And those Jewish Christians were beginning to think that they may have lost everything. Their altar, the priests, sacrifices by accepting Christianity. But the writer of Hebrews, which is unknown, proves they only lost the shadow their Jewish worship, to be given the substance, none other than Jesus Christ. Now let me repeat that. The writer of Hebrews proves they only, the believers, new Christians then, only lost the shadow, which is their Jewish worship, to be given the substance, who is Jesus Christ. My dear friends, yes, we are going to give up good, important, and even valuable, but also only temporary and worldly goals, dreams and ambitions and desires for what is heavenly, godly, permanent, and eternal one. As the author of Hebrews assured his hearers, we have only lost the shadow but have been given the substance that will last for eternity. Now, the nature of a shadow is fleeting. It is temporary. It vanishes fast. But substance is real, long-lasting. And if we are relating it with our worship and faith and journey or race of becoming like Christ, it's real. It's made manifest. It's eternal. And so the question you and I have to answer is, is your priority or mine just a shadow or is it the substance? Are our priorities worldly? And so these are fleeting, vanishing, and temporary. My dear friends, our priority is not just our career, not only our family. Our priority is not just to be in a better position or situation, financially, educationally, socially, and even mentally based on worldly standards and pressures. Over and above all this, our priority, my dear friends, is to grow and mature in every aspect in our lives spiritually. Let me declare this. This is important. Our priority, our top priority 
my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, is to know him. Because knowing him will change our lives, will make us like him. Like Paul, may we be able to see, to say, with a priority more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And that's in Philippians 3, 8 and 10, New American Standard Bible. And so, brothers and sisters, dear friends, for us to be discipled, we do not only settle our priorities, but secondly, we secure our motivation. Again, we read in Hebrews 12, 1b, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Discipleship calls for perseverance. Perseverance is the steady persistence in a course of action. It's a purpose or state, especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragement. In other words, even if we're discouraged, even if we might want to give up in our pursuit, in knowing him more, we might have so much responsibilities and this responsibility is at times a conflict with our being discipled or the Christian disciplines of going to church, reading the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God, going to Bible studies. And yet, perseverance will be there to push us and to encourage us to go on even probably if we want to give up. Perseverance is impossible, however, without motivation. And let's understand motivation. It's the state or condition of being motivated or having a strong reason to act or to accomplish something. And so if we are to be discipled well, we need to persevere. But for us to persevere, we've got to have the right motivation. Friends, passion and purpose are very much tied up with motivation. Our passion for something will make us persevere in doing it. And our understanding of why we are doing it, the purpose impacts our decision to persevere. If we're passionate for music, then uh, we will do everything so that we can learn or even uh, be able to uh, uh, practice uh, what we are learning in uh, music. If our passion is singing, then uh, we will learn voice lessons. We will do everything, in other words, uh, for the purpose of what? Uh, exercising our gift of uh, 
maybe contributing something good, like being part of the worship team. So there's that passion, and we have that purpose, and they're tied together so that we will persevere. What's your passion? Is, is our passion knowing Christ more and more so that we can be like him? Then, friends, we ask the question, why do we desire to be discipled? Why do we desire to go through the rigorous discipline of discipleship? And if discipleship is transformation or to become more and more like Christ, why do we want to become like Christ? In 2 Peter 1, 3 to 7, Peter exhorts us to grow in eight areas of our lives. Now, I'd like you to read uh, these passages of Scripture because I'll just read uh, one uh, verse, which is the following verse, verse 8. But Peter exhorts us that we ought to grow in eight areas of our Christian lives. We ought to grow in our faith. And then add to our faith goodness, add to our goodness knowledge, add to our uh, knowledge self-control, add to our self-control perseverance, add to our perseverance godliness, and add to our godliness mutual affection, and add to mutual affection love. So eight areas in our lives wherein we are encouraged to grow. Now for what purpose does Peter encourage us? To grow in these areas. Verse 8. And that's uh, what we will project. And that's what we will read. Listen to this. For if you possess these qualities. Peter says. In increasing measure. They will keep you from being ineffective. And unproductive. In your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's in the NIV. Uh, let me read it in two other verses, New King James Version and NIRV. In New King James Version, it says, For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Let's read it in the NIRV. You as believers in Christ, as disciples in Christ, and I, we should possess more and more of those good points, the eight areas, because they will make you, they will make us useful and fruitful as you get to know our Lord Jesus Christ better. And so, friends, the motivation, our motivation for discipleship. And we need to secure it in our daily walk with God so that we can live out His very purpose for us. Our motivation is Christ-likeness. We want to grow deeper in our walk with Him, know Him, so that we can become more and more like him. Now we are so encouraged by all our IBI and SOL graduates and students and it is of great encouragement as well to see our care groups 
and interest groups, members. Another source of encouragement is our ministry workers who continue to serve and everyone that's part of a care group attending classes. You have shown by your example that you have secured your motivation. Why? Because you all have persevered and you continue to do so. You can testify to the fact that because you persevered, you continue or you continue to grow in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are neither barren nor unfruitful, but you continue to abound. Not only in your spiritual lives, but in other areas, if not all areas of your lives. And what does it benefit you? In the midst of difficulties, challenges, or trials in your work, family situations, and other personal situations, you have not buckled down nor given up, but rather you have prevailed. And you have overcome because you know why you're doing what you are doing. And so don't stop. <laughs> keep on. Let's keep on with the disciplines of getting deeper in our knowledge of Jesus Christ so that we can become fruitful and we can continue to grow and become more and more like Christ. Now, to all those who somehow stopped for valid reasons, you started but you dropped off and you didn't pursue your IBI or SOL classes, you probably have stopped uh, attending your care group or interest group. You took a leave from serving for valid reasons. I encourage you, brethren, the word of God urges us. Let us keep running. Let us pick up from where we left or stopped. Let us resume. Let us get up if we fail. Let us continue with our discipleship journey. Again, just encourage someone beside you right now. You don't know if that's the person that we are talking about right here. And just begin prodding your brother, sister beside you by saying discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. Let's continue, my dear friends. By the way, when we are shifting gears, because that's what shifting in discipleship is, we are shifting gears not only so that we could go faster. Shifting means slowing down, assessing the road condition if you are a driver, and then shifting to a slower gear like first or second from the fastest gears of the third and fourth because the road is bumpy or we cannot keep driving fast as we are now going to have to track an uphill and winding road which is a harder or steeper route to traverse. Now, applying this to our theme, it's a time to encourage and coming alongside others we are journeying with to keep in step with our pace in our journey together as a family of God. 
we need one another to encourage us. We need each other so that we can continue to be discipled because discipleship is not only individual. It takes the whole body of Christ. Well, in the U.S. Marine Corps, their motto is no one left behind. No man left behind. Let's adopt this in this army of God that we belong to. We are all part of. Let us not leave anyone behind. No babies in their faith, no children in their faith, no young or no old in Christ. Let us journey, grow, and be discipled together. And let us keep going on. We cannot afford to stop or to give up. Let's keep at our goal of knowing Him. That's our priority. Let's keep on pressing in and persevere with the secured motivation of becoming like Christ. Be a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because it is the very purpose of our lives for us to be truly disciples of Christ. We therefore have to make everything secondary to knowing God. That's first and foremost. Our priority has to be set. Second, we secure our motivation to be Christ-like so that we become fruitful and productive in our knowledge of Christ. Now, the third key thing that we need to do after we settle our priority or set our priority after we secure our motivation, the third thing that we need to do is to set our focus. Again, reading from Hebrews 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Dear friends, discipleship is transformation to Christ's likeness. We're changed more and more into the image and likeness of Christ. And so what better way than to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith? We are to focus on Him so that we can be like Him. The Greek word to fix contains the idea of concentrating, concentrating our gaze. To focus all our attention on just one object. It's looking at Jesus. And as we look at Jesus, as we focus, as we set our eyes and set our focus on Jesus, two things will happen in the process of our discipleship. Firstly, it will remind us that we can only become like Christ, like Him, through His work in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Well, it says clearly in the verse of Scripture, Jesus is the author. He was the one who started our faith. He is the reason why we even have faith to begin with. Without him, you and I, no one among us would even be here celebrating our 25 years of anniversary as a church. There will be no church. There will be no followers, disciples, without the author, the one who started that faith in you and in me. He is also the perfecter, the completer, and finisher of our faith. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus, on him. And this means we need to depend on him. We need to trust in him. Or without him, we will never make it. Much less finish the race of faith we are in. Philippians 1.6, New American Standard Bible says, For I am confident, Paul said, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Jesus also said it perfectly to his disciples and thus also to us. In John 15, verses 1, 4, and 5, New King James Version. Reading verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. For as the branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, Christ says, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you cannot do anything. Well, we need to look on Jesus because he is the only one who by the Holy Spirit can change our hearts, transform our lives so that we can become like him. And as we constantly look at him, focus our eyes on him, we will become like him because he is our example. He is our model. He is our inspiration. Secondly, we need to set our focus on Jesus because he is our model for discipling others. Let's look at the life of our Lord Jesus. How did he disciple? First, he loved his disciples. The love Jesus had for his disciples was the standard he has set for them to love one another before he suffered and died at the cross. He said in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now our next, next task is to disciple others and disciple uh, especially the next generation after us. If we are to have that love of Christ, the question is how much do we love the next generation? whom Christ is wanting us to disciple. Are we willing to sacrifice and to give everything, especially our time, our resources, or our very lives, so that we can disciple and prepare them? He not only loved them, secondly, Jesus established a life-lasting relationship with them. 
knowing he only had three years to spend with the disciples, he made it a point to establish deep relationships with them. He intentionally worked at that uh, uh, establishing of relationship with them by spending 24 hours, seven days a week routine, daily routine with them. He ate with them, traveled, and wherever their journey took them, that is where they would lodge together, probably mostly on the road. Jesus, their master and teacher, made every opportunity to be a learning time with them. He faced peril, danger, and sword with them, wanting them to know that if ever the time would come that he will no longer be with them physically, he would continue to remain with them through the Holy Spirit, the one like him who will come alongside them wherever and whenever. And his short time with them left sufficient impact in each one of the disciples to last for the rest of their lives. Are we willing to invest our time, our lives, so that we can have that relationship with the young generation, with the next generation that we would like to disciple, or we are commanded to disciple. Thirdly, he led them, Jesus led them by his example. He did not only teach them, but he lived out these lessons by his very life. He taught them how to pray, but his disciples saw him praying all the time. He talked about compassion, and the disciples saw him stopping at the well to talk to the Samaritan woman, ridiculed by all. He told them that the one who wants to be the greatest should be a servant of all. And he washed their feet. The greatest example of servanthood. What could be a better way to disciple the next generation than for them to see us? Each one of us live out what we teach to them. Sometimes we don't even have to say anything. Our actions will speak a thousand words. And so, dear friends, Jesus' model of discipleship is what we need to follow in discipling others, especially the next generation. And we are sure to grow if we set our priorities, if we secure our motivation and set our focus with clarity. Now, there was an Olympic runner that was asked, what is the key to your success? And you know her answer, she said, routine with purpose. A daily, persistent, consistent, resolute focus on Jesus, the lead runner in our race or growth of faith, is necessary, my dear friends. Let me close with this. The theme verse for our 25th year anniversary is imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that's in 1 Corinthians 11. Now we face a gigantic and formidable challenge of discipling others, especially the next generation. Because failure to face up and to do that task will bring the generation or generations after us 
back to a similar situation like the Jews during the period of the judges. And we wouldn't want the generation after us to be that kind of generation who didn't know God. We can never give what we don't have. Because for us to disciple others, especially the generation after us, we need to be disciples as well. And this can only happen as we settle our priorities, secure our motivation, and set our focus on Jesus. And friends, the idea of discipleship has never been clearer than when we started taking care of Eliana. From the very first day we helped take care of her, it dawned on us right away that the process of raising, caring, and training of a baby is analogous to spiritual discipleship. It takes a lot of hard work. Time, patience, love, you name it. It will require everything you and I have and will definitely exhaust us to the max. It is always intentional. We spend time feeding Eliana, always watching her, changing her diaper. The motto of parents taking care of babies, keep the baby full, dry, and comfortable so that the baby will do what she was created to do at this stage of her life. What do you think is that? Grow. <laughs> and it's not only Eliana's physical needs that we need to pay attention to. We also need to meet her emotional needs. And so we make her feel that she is loved with hugs and kisses. Whenever she finishes her food or patiently sits to go through a book or take a few steps, we say, Eliana, the champion baby, we commend her, we encourage her, and she responds with a twinkle in her eyes and the biggest smile she could get. Who's the champion baby? Where's the champion, champion baby? baby. <laughs> okay. Where's the champion baby? Yay! Who's the champion baby? Who, who's the champion baby? Who's the champion baby? Eliana, Who? the champion the baby. baby. Champion. What about her spiritual needs? We bless her first thing in the morning. We follow a baby blessing book. We read that. I read that to her. We pray with her. We let her listen to the early morning prayer if she is with us during those mornings. We read and teach her at every opportunity. Now, we have determined to come alongside this beautiful and delightful young life to influence her until she's able to open her heart to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus and then impact her own generation. And to do that, we are putting, friends, we are putting everything, all our time, resources, and influence on her. And that's the picture of discipling others. We will give what it takes 
to intentionally and sacrificially, sacrificially come alongside someone so that that person or disciple or follower of Christ can get established in the Lord until that person can disciple others too. It's worth it. When we left Singapore to come here and help take care of our first grandchild, I thought, Lord, we are living a congregation of 450 to 500 to take care of one baby. Is it worth it? And in my heart, believe me, friends, God said, you do not know how the baby will grow to influence others for the kingdom. And I don't know how many you are discipling at this time. Ten? Five? Is it only one? I'd like to encourage you. Keep on. Because you do not know the potential of that soul who God can use to influence others for the kingdom of God and for the glory of God. But we can only do it as we ourselves keep getting discipled, which can only happen as we settle our priorities, secure our motive, and set our focus. And our encouragement is that we are not doing this alone and in our own strength. God, my dear friends, who called us and who established us in our faith in Him. God, the Holy Spirit, who teaches us and reminds us of everything that Christ taught His disciples. He is with us and is within us to empower and to enable us to be discipled ourselves and then to disciple others for His glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this theme of discipleship. Discipleship that is set before us. Transformation of our lives. Renewal of our minds. And I pray, Lord, that even as we have heard from the message this morning, Lord, let us settle our priorities. Let it be that our priority will be to know Christ more and more. Secure our motivation. We want to become like Christ. We want to be the strong disciple that you would have raised up, you would have built. So, the Lord, we can disciple others for your glory, especially the young generation or the next generation. And Father, help us to set our focus, set our eyes, fix our eyes on Jesus alone. Because it's only that way that we can continue to know you more and more. Be transformed in our lives. And above all, as you empower us, enable us to be victorious in our struggles with life, in our situations in lives, so that you will continue to be glorified. Bless your people, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Again, happy anniversary. And Lord bless you. We miss you all and we love you. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. It's a reminder to all of us as God's people to go and make disciples like what Pastor Jerry has shown us.
looking after even one baby, one soul, makes a difference. Kaya tingnan mo yung sa dabi mo, sabi mo, champion ka. Champion baby. You know, as a parents, as, as you grow mature in the Lord, as you grow as parents, as you grow in maturity in the Lord, you know your heart change and you begin to you desire to people to grow in maturity in the Lord. And I pray as Living Word Fellowship, as family, we will continue on making disciples. Amen? Let us stand. Before we sing this song, I'm being reminded in Psalms 115, the past weeks we've been reminded of God's faithfulness to our lives and to our church. Just turn to the, the person beside you and tell that person, the Lord is faithful. We have seen some of them came here to Singapore with black hair. Now they have white hairs. Some of them have came to Singapore with many hairs, but now, no. Because the Lord is faithful. And the Lord is calling us to be faithful to His calling. And I just want to read Psalms 115 as we close. Not to us, O Lord, not to us. But to your name, give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. What we can impart to the next generation is that a church that will always give glory to the Lord and a church that will always love God and remember his steadfast love. And I pray that the next generation will know that. Amen. Let's just sing this song, In Christ Alone. In Christ Alone.
generation will be so faithful making disciples for your glory so that people will know who you are that you are our savior our lord and i pray lord this generation will impart this to the next generation that we will run hand in hand in the same direction in same purpose unite our hearts as one and i thank you for the people who have tirelessly served you for the past years we thank you for their lives and i know that you will bless them according to your will and riches oh god and i pray lord as the next generation will take up the baton strengthen us remind us lord that it's all about you god it's all about your glory your honor your name be lifted up in this place oh lord in our lives in the living world fellowship your name will be glorified. Hallelujah. Let's lift this praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, God. We praise you. We worship you. We worship you. Let's just raise our hand and receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace lord we thank you that we will face this brand new year we will face this coming next generation knowing that your presence is with us that you are good and you are faithful salamat panginoon we give you praise we give you honor in jesus name we pray and everybody say amen hallelujah we praise you lord hallelujah we thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless everyone. You may be seated. 
Thank you those who have joined us in YouTube and in Facebook. I, I pray that you've been blessed and be encouraged. Make sure. And I pray that uh, you go and make disciples. Salamat po for joining us. Do join us next Sunday as we have our worship services. God bless everyone.